Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. And in that conversation, I want you to write down the title of our message this morning. The title of our message is that praise precedes peace. Praise precedes peace. Great alliteration right there for you English majors because I want you to hold on to it. Praise precedes peace. How many of you guys would be honest and say you could use a little bit more peace in your life? Oh, come on. We got a lot of stuff going on in our life. I could use a lot more peace. Our son, Shepard, just started his first week at school this week, and it was a lot of great emotions throughout the week, a lot of crazy ones, up and down. And you know what? I could use a little peace today. And what I know is that God is, really does care about the peace in my life. Jesus himself calls himself the Prince of Peace. So he wants, to be at a, he wants us to be at a place where we can be still and know that he is God. So what I want you to know today that you can find peace this morning because praise precedes peace and just trusting Jesus today could actually lead to some more peace in our life. I'm not saying that every situation will be solved when you walk out that door where you're going to get a text and like, hey, all your problems are solved. Congratulations. I don't think that's going to happen. But peace isn't about your problems being solved. Peace is about the posture of our heart walking through those problems where we're not overburdened, where we're not overstressed, where we're still able to make a difference and be kind and be encouraging to people around us to know that there is a God who is bigger than my problems. Worship reminds us that I'm not going to speak to God about how big my problems are. I'm going to speak to my problems about how big my God is. Can I get an amen if you believe that today? That's what worship is all about. We want to get to a place where this is just our second nature. In Isaiah chapter 26, it says this. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah in chapter 26 is talking about the city of God and, and what Jesus has conquered and done and what the future will look like we live in perfect peace and relationship with him. And what Isaiah is encouraging us through the word of the Lord here is this phrase right here, whose mind is stayed on you. Would you underline that for me today? Because I love this word stayed. Whose mind is just stayed on the things of God. Whose mind is just stayed on what God says about them. Whose mind is just stayed on the fact that there is a God and since there's a God, there is always hope. And no matter what I may be going through, I can keep taking one step after the other through this storm because my mind is stayed on the things of God. It's even written in the New Testament over and over again. Set your sights, set your focus on heavenly things, on the things above. See, why are we a house of praise? Because of this line right here. Every time we worship, we are reminded of who God is and who we are in Him. We are reminded of who God is, that He's the one who came and made a way. That he's the one that fights for us in the battles that we feel like giving up. That he's the one who's given us freedom. And now because of that, we are all those things in him. It puts our heart in a posture of gratitude and thankfulness and just tremendous awe of God. I cannot believe that you're here in this place right now. I cannot believe you pay attention to my life. In the book of Psalms, it tells us that God stoops down to listen to the praise and prayers of his people. I love the Psalms. I love what David says in chapter 63. I want to share it with you today before we pray and jump into the heart of the message. He says this, I've seen you 
and your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Come on, would you underline that phrase for me? Because I want you to believe that today. That God's unfailing love that you have access to, direct access because of Jesus, is better than life itself. Isn't that an amazing place to be? To know that the fact that I can experience God as a broken human being is better than anything else. When we come to that understanding, when our mind stays on that truth, here's our action. Man, how I praise you because of that. I'll praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feasts. I will praise you with songs of joy. Come on, this is about joy. This is about realizing that no matter what, if God is for us, then who can be against us today? That is the excitement and victory that we share. Listen, when we lift our hands, that's just not like, hey, look at me. I'm lifting my hands. I'm doing the spiritual religious thing. No, lifting our hands is a sign of, man, gotta have victory because of Jesus and I surrender to you because I can't do this without you puts a whole different perspective on what we see right when we see people lifting their hands or jumping up and down or singing even when it's hot in the room it's because man I'm having a moment with God right now I can't do anything less than that because that's what Jesus gave me his everything his very best so that I could have songs of joy in my heart I could be in a house of praise and I could know the unfailing love offers is better than life itself. Come on, let's listen and lean into that today. Would you pray with me as we open up this conversation? God, I'm so thankful for everybody here. I'm so thankful today, God, that this is a house of praise and there's no one here by accident. God, they've been invited in one way or another. And God, you have something amazing for them. God, I pray today that all of us would step into this conversation with a humble heart saying simply, God, I want to draw closer to you today. I just want to take one step deeper and closer to you today. God, be with our conversation today. Lift up, lift us up, help us see who you are. God, be with all our local kids next door. Love on them. Help them know that your son Jesus is their very best friend and they can experience him and know him as well at a very young age. And God, we're just excited today to be with you, to be in the house of praise. In Jesus' name, we all say and agree. Come on, amen. Let's jump into this today. I want to share with you one of my favorite stories from the Bible. There's just some stories in the Bible when I read them, I just get pumped up. I get excited, right? And there's stories like that in the Bible. If you ever meet someone like, man, there's just nothing good in movies today, tell them to go make some stuff from the Bible because it's just great stuff. And there's a whole book of the Bible that we've actually split up into two books of the Bible now, but originally it was just written as one long book. And it's the book of Chronicles. And in your Bible, it's First and Second Chronicles. And really what it does is chronicle the story of the nation of Israel. It chronicles what God is doing. It chronicles how God is so faithful and good to his people. I want you to know today that God is a God of faithfulness. I just want you to know he's committed to you. And it's up to us whether or not we become aware of that and receive that and choose to follow and trust him. But he's aware of what you're going through, and he's committed to you today. And Chronicles is all about that. All about the times the nation of Israel did things right. All about the time the king was a faithful king, and all about the times where the king was not such a faithful guy. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, we read about a guy, or 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we read about a guy named Jehoshaphat. Love that name. If you're having a child this year or next year, Jehoshaphat, you'll be the only one in his class. I can guarantee you that. So he'll be a great individual, all right? Jehoshaphat is good stuff. But after I tell you this story, it might even more encourage you to call him that. Because here's what happens in Chronicles. It's talking about that God is sending a Messiah, right? And we live on the other side of that, I want you to know. That in the Old Testament, it's all about looking forward to the Messiah that was coming. Well, we live post-New Testament. We live after Jesus, And we know that the Messiah is here in in this place with us today. 
We know that the Messiah was the Son of God who was Jesus who came to this earth to give his life and conquer death for you and for me to bring us back into the family of God so we could reflect God's glory back to him. That's what this is all about. And the second piece about Chronicles is all about the temple that was being built, the temple that was being constructed. Now, we don't really worship in a temple anymore here, but what the temple was synonymous with is us, the capital C Church, the group and community that experiences God together, where God meets his people here on earth. And Jesus made all this possible. And there's a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 that beautifully illustrates this. We step in with a guy named King Jehoshaphat, and what happens with King Jehoshaphat is he's kind of just gotten his life and his, and his kingship back on track. He's the king of Judah, and he had aligned himself with a king who wasn't so great, and it led to a couple defeats in battle, and, and he realized that he needed to kind of repent and turn back to God and trust God in ways he hadn't before. And so as soon as he makes that decision, something really funny happens in the Bible that maybe you see happen in your life as well. As soon as King Jehoshaphat says, all right, God, we're trusting you again. We're turning the nation back to you. I'm getting rid of all the idols. We're practicing what you have called us to do. We're trusting you. You are our true king. As soon as Jehoshaphat does that, immediately three enemy nations declare war, not just on Israel, but on specifically Jehoshaphat. You ever felt like people declare war on you specifically? Like the world is out to get just you? Everyone else is doing great, but it seems like today and yesterday and this whole year, the world has declared war on you? You're not alone. And the Bible tells you you're not alone because this is what happens to Jehoshaphat. The only problem is, the only difference is, is that when you feel the, the, the world has declared war on you, it hasn't actually declared war. It's just something you feel. When the world declared war on Jehoshaphat, it actually meant people, thousands of people, were going to come and attempt to kill him. A little bit different. But here's his reaction. And we're kind of starting this today. I'm going to tell, talk to you about it in just a second. His first reaction is not to, all right, we got to run, let's get out of here. Or we got to build the walls higher, we got to fortify, we got to protect ourselves. No, his first reaction is, okay, it's time to fast and pray. Now, if I'm in the kingdom of Jehoshaphat and the king tells me, okay, war is coming, it's time to fast and pray, my reaction is, okay, Jehoshaphat, you're telling me to not eat food, which will eliminate strength, and you're telling me to pray, which is less time I can be practicing like with my sword or like protecting my family. It doesn't make any sense. Well, of course it doesn't make any sense because a lot of times the things that God asks us to do don't make sense, but they're the only things that provide victory when we surrender to him. That's what we're doing. And so... He calls this fast, and in 2 Chronicles 20, here's what it says. It's a guy named Jehaziel, again, great name. Jehoshaphat and Jehaziel, come on, that's a powerful family right there if you're willing to do it. He says this, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. I love this, underline it for me. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Let me encourage you, let me give you some freedom today. The battle you're facing is not yours, it's God's. It's so freeing for me to know that the battles I'm facing right now in my life, and I can tell you I'm facing them, I don't face them alone. And God sees them, he's aware of them, and he's paying attention to them. I know sometimes the enemy likes to lie to us and tell us that your God is not with you. You've done something wrong, so you're gonna have to fight this battle on your own. That is not true. I know that in a moment, if I fall to my knees and say, God, I need you in this battle, he is going to show up. That's what Jehaziel is telling everyone. Hey, I know three armies are rallying against us, but it's, the, it's God's battle, not ours. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Can I give you some encouragement today? Don't be afraid. You don't have to live in fear. Don't be discouraged. The enemy would love for you to be afraid of the situations in your life, and he would love for you to feel discouraged like you can't keep going. But the truth that comes from the Lord is 
that we are more than conquerors through Jesus who has given his life for us. The truth is, is that we can be encouraged in the fact that God says he is with us, that he's never gonna leave us or forget about us. This is why this next phrase is so important, is that worship is not a Sunday act, it is a lifestyle. See, this is not just about a Sunday morning thing for an hour, this is about Monday through Saturday. I'm gonna tell you what, there is no substitute for what we do on Sundays together. Why was COVID such a hard year emotionally? Because we were robbed of this. I'll just be honest with you. And I believe this is something that God loves. Jesus gave his life for this so the church could come together to know that, man, I'm going through something. You're broken. I'm messed up. But you know what? We got victory and surrender today because of Jesus. So my one reaction is to be in this house of praise and worship and lift up God together. Those moments are powerful. We had them this morning. But what's just as powerful is the Monday through Saturday moments where you take time to pray and worship yourself. Because God loves you, all of us, then he loves you individually. It's really important to know that. Really important to surrender to that truth. That worship is a lifestyle. I've been quoting uh, from a guy named Eugene Peterson. He wrote the message version of the Bible, which I love that version of the Bible. It's so poetic. Here's what he says about worship. It says, feelings are great liars. Well, that's a good amen, because that is definitely true. Feelings are great liars. This is really important. If Christians worshiped only when they felt like it, there would be precious little worship. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity in doing it. But the wisdom of God says something different. That we can, this is huge, that we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. Come on, get, clap your hands for that, because that's encouraging to me. It helps me realize that, okay, I may not feel it. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, Sundays or in the early mornings when I spend time with God, I don't feel it. But it's not about feelings, because guess what? Feelings are good old great liars. But I am not led by my feelings, you can either rule your emotions or your emotions can rule you. And what worship is, is this act that God has given us. It is an act, yes, that transitions into a lifestyle that, you know what, I may not feel it today, but what I feel does not change, again, the character of my God that I am worshiping. Again, worship is powerful not because who's worshiping, but because who's being worshiped. That's the freedom that we have today. That's why it's more than a feeling. It's an act that leads us in to the supernatural. And the people of Israel were about to find this out to be extremely true. Let's keep going in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 through 22. Here's what it says. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And at the very moment they began to sing and give God praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. This makes zero sense in battle strategy, just to tell you. Imagine if local church is going to war. I love our worship team, but I'm not sending them out first. Sending out some of the big dudes from the setup and production team. All right, guys, we're the front line. Let's go, okay? Sorry, guys. If we ever go to war on a Sunday morning, you're going first. Unless the Lord tells me audibly, which is what he said to Jehoshaphat, send out the singers. Why? Because there's power in the presence of God more so than the power of us doing things on our own. The fact that he sends the worshipers out. Now, give these singers some credit. The king is like, okay, singers, gather up. You're going out to war. Oh, We've never practiced for that, sir. That's okay. Don't worry. 
God's on your side. You've got this. See, it's important to put ourselves in the shoes of these people. Now we read it and we're like, yeah, go singers. But if you're one of those singers, you're like, all right, the king's lost it. It's going to be a quick battle. Quickest battle ever, we're dead. But they go out and they start singing. Man, we give thanks to you, God, because your faithful love endures forever. And they just sing that over and over again. There's beauty in repetition sometimes. When you don't know what to sing, when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to pray, just pray, Jesus, you love me. Your unfailing love is here today. Give thanks to God for his faithful love endures forever. Just sing that sentence, and man, it'll bring power into your life. And what happens is, this is really key. It doesn't necessarily give the singers and the people of Israel strength to fight the battle. It gives the enemy confusion and messes them up so that they destroy themselves. To remind us that, hey, sometimes when we worship, it's not about us getting better or getting stronger to fight our battles. It's about so much so surrendering and abandoning everything else to the cause of God and what he's done in our life that our battles, our enemies, they just destroy themselves. The enemy messes himself up because I'm so focused on this. Do you know why the enemy wants to rob you of your worship? Is because he was the original worship leader way back when in heaven. And so he's like, well, I lost my position and title. I lost the fact that I can worship. So you know what? If I can rob that from you, boo-hoo on you. Ha, ha, ha. Look what I did, right? He's like a little kid because he's the worst. The thing is is that we can't be robbed of our worship because there's so much power in it. See, this is why today we're committing the next 10 days to prayer and fasting. We do this two times a year in January, 21 days. It's the beginning of the year. We're ready to go. Fall, I know we're coming off summer, going back to school. Stressed out with going back to school with kids, whatever it may be. Ten days, a little shorter. But also ten days. It's because I believe every single person in this room can commit to praying and fasting for ten days. Because what it is, it's about just making a time. It's about making a space. Let me Write these three things down for me. They're not in your notes, but I wrote them down in my journal. Over these next ten days of prayer and fasting, here's what I would challenge you to do. Make a time that you spend with God every day. If it's in the morning or, at the, or in, in the afternoon or at night, we call it this. We say it's the My 15 here at local. We did this this morning from 9 to 9.15. You're always invited to Sunday morning prayer right here in this room from 9 to 9.15. And what you do in that My 15 is you do five minutes of God's word, five minutes of prayer, and five minutes of worship. 15 minutes, good to go. It's your battle plan for the day. Make a time. Second thing is make a space. This didn't really, wasn't as big of one for me until like, got married and we had a kid. Like, I got to find a space where I am not distracted, right? Because there's just something about completely focused attention on God for 15 minutes or whatever your time is. Now, whatever you can commit to, just commit to that. If you can't commit to an hour every day, don't commit to that. <laughs> just lean in on the 15 minutes that you can because God can do it a lot more with a consistent something than he can do with an occasional nothing, or occasional lot or whatever, right? It'll, it'll roll off the tongue better when I think about it more. <laughs> but that's what I'm thinking about, right? So make a time, make a space, and then make a plan. We want to help you do that. As you can see, if you go back to the 10-day slide, if we have it, uh, you can text local to 97,000, and there's a little Sunday resources link, and there's a button that says 10 days of prayer and fasting. We want to give you a Bible plan to read with us. We want to get you connected to our social media, which will have devotional prompts for you and encouraging things throughout the week. Give these next 10 days to God, and I promise you, by the end of it, you will see clearly how much God is for you and how much God is on your side and how much he is fighting your battles for you and with you, alongside of you. And you will see that Jesus is closer than you think. The word promises us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Give God these 10 days and I promise you, I promise you, if you stay committed to it. And fasting is really about just getting rid of something and replacing it with something else. 
It's not about just stopping. So fasting, maybe for the next 10 days, some of us need to fast, probably should all of us maybe a little bit, fast and get rid of some social media and replace it with our My 15 or replace it with some scripture reading or replace it with some worship songs. Maybe for the next 10 days, especially since we're in these talks about worship, we should just listen to just worship music for the next 10 days. I've told you that before. That one of the, one of the best decisions I think I ever made is a long time ago, I made the decision that over 90% of the Spotify playlists and music that I listen to is just gonna be worship. It doesn't mean I don't like like other music. I mean, my song, my, my title of my message last week was Praises Go Up, Blessings Come Down. Chance the Rapper. Come on, everybody. But here's the thing. I think it's important for us to always be listening to worship because it saturates our spirit. Maybe that's something you need to do today. And, and there's also resources for you when it comes to fasting certain foods or meals or whatever. Just do something and stay consistent with it. And I promise you, you will see how God moves in a mighty, miraculous way. And we're closing out these 10 days with a worship night right here back in the Rialto Theater on August 18th, Wednesday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Come on, look at that very attractive singer right there. You should come because she does a great job every Sunday. But, but be here that Wednesday night. That's my wife for you first time, people, if you thought that was like, if I was trying to like shoot my shot or something with whoever that is, that's my wife, just so you know, all right? Speaking of that, I'm gonna invite the worship team back up with us because we're gonna close in a song. I wanna give you three quick things today. Okay, Ryan, that sounds all great. How do I worship? How do I do this? Let me give you three quick things. Number one is to worship with awe. Worship with awe. Oh yeah, this is how I find my battles too. If I forgot that blank and you're driving home, you're like, he forgot that blank, it's driving me crazy. I'm a little OCD about my blanks. All right, this is how I find my battles. This is what we're gonna sing later, okay? But the next thing is, is worship with awe. What does awe mean? Realizing that this is majestic. This is amazing. I can't believe that I'm witnessing this. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe because God is a devouring fire. That's pretty intense imagery of God, but God at times is a very intense God with us. And it puts us in a place of awe. I remember when I was a kid, we went on a vacation. We drove to Gatlinburg, Tennessee in my dad's little minivan. And uh, we went to this place called Klingman's Dome. I don't know if you've ever been there. Here's a picture of it. Um, it's just this, maybe, maybe there's not, but there might be. It's this big kind of overlooked place where you can look and see a bunch of states and see mountains and, and trees. And I remember being up there as a little kid looking out, and at this time I did believe in God. It's like, man, God's amazing. Like, look at all this that he created. And just like we sang earlier, that creation speaks of God. The skies proclaim his majesty and his goodness. For me, I remember standing up there and being like, wow, God is huge and I'm so tiny. You think about the majesty and bigness of the universe. Shepherd has a little planets book that we read all the time now, and it's amazing looking at like, man, we're just this little blue dot in this giant solar system, in, a, in this incredible galaxy, in all of this creation, and God cares about us. When we worship with awe, it puts us in a place of humility to realize, ah, man, I am nothing without God. God's created all this. Thousands of galaxies, a massive space that is always expanding, and then he can look down on the blue little dot called Earth and pay attention to what is going on in my life, Oh, look at this creation. Look what we're allowed to be a part of. I'm just in awe of that. Second thing is to work of worship with abandon. In 2 Samuel, it tells us that David danced before the Lord with all his might. Now, at this time, David was king. And for the king to kind of dance in front of people was a little bit foolish. It was a little bit, hey, you're the king. You don't do that stuff. All right? But David didn't care. He said, how can I not worship God with abandon? I don't care what you think. No. I'm pleasing God above men. 
I'm focused on what God wants above anything else of what people are thinking about me. I'm worshiping with abandon. Can I encourage you today? Just abandon everything else. Don't worry about if someone's looking at you, if you raise your hand or the person that came with you, oh, they're lifting their hands. That's weird. No, because it's not about what they think. It's about what God thinks. And God says, hey, if you're with me today, let me know that you're here and I'll show up in your life in an amazing, miraculous way. Don't worry about whether or not you can sing. There's Not everyone in this room can sing. That's okay. The Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Some of our noises are, you know, our joyful noises aren't very, like, pitch perfect, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. It's about simply opening our mouth and opening our heart. I would encourage you today, when we close in worship, take one step deeper than you ever have before. If you've never stood before, stand. If you've never sung out loud before, sing out loud. If you've never lift out, lifted up your hands, lift up your hands. Or do the little, like, carrying a tray, you know. Whatever you do, do something today, all right? Because it's not an action. It's a lifestyle. It's a posture of our heart of victory and surrender. I have this little thing right here. This is uh, the weapon that I keep in my room. Uh, we don't have a gun in the house, not for any weird political reasons, just because I think that if Adrian ever heard a noise outside and it was me coming home late, I would get shot. Uh, before I could say, hey, it's me, don't, don't shoot. Yeah, I just, that's what I think. So I have this. And you may say, what is that? Well, this is like a little gift that I was given uh, by a, a pastor friend of mine, one of my best friends. His dad has been a pastor forever. And he gave me this little tool, and he said, hey, this is a weapon that I got from Kenya from a tribe out in the bush. And this is the weapon that, that they use, the warriors use, to, like, kill lions and stuff like that. It's got a little point on it. It's got a club. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is, like, the coolest thing ever. So I have this right on my nightstand next to my bed just to know that, man, I'm screaming and I'm swinging this thing as hard as I can. If anyone ever comes in to my house because I'm protecting my baby, I'm protecting my family, right? Get out of here. You got to go through me with my cool lion killer tool, all right? And I'm going to tell him what it is as I'm swinging it. This thing's killed lions, bro. Now, here's the power in this, right? Now, if you just handed me this and said, here you go, and I was like, I don't, what is this? Something you, like, whittled? Like, what is the power of this? The only reason I really, like, have a lot of confidence in this is because literally I trusted the guy who gave it to me. I trusted what he said about it, that it came from a tribe who actually does face lions, and they used it so it's proven, and now I can have confidence in what I'm holding. What is worship with abandon all about? Realizing that I can trust the guy who told me worship is a weapon, that I can be confident to know that when I do it, it's already broken and won battles before, just like we read, so that I can stand courageous and as a champion in victory, knowing that I'm worshiping with abandon. I wrote it in my journal this way. You know, we believe in the promises of the word of God. We believe in what scripture says. I told our team this earlier and they got fired up about it. That if the word of God, it, it calls itself the sword of the spirit. Now, if the word of God is a sword, worship is how we swing that sword. Come on, God, you are good. This is how I fight my battles. You're a miracle-working God. This is a house of miracles. Come on, if you're for me, who can be against me? I'm swinging this weapon. I'm trusting and abandoning everything else. And the last thing is this, as we close, is that I worship with intimacy. Singers, you can come up because we're going to... Actually, why don't you guys all stand with me today as we close today. If you want to write that down, worship with intimacy. And the great thing about that is that in a big room like this, in, a, in the earth right now, it's Sunday morning, thousands upon millions of people are worshiping God right now. But God is not just a God of awe. He's not just a God of abandon. He is a God of intimacy, knowing that he sees you and what you're going through right now in this moment. And he simply wants to say, hey, I'm here in this place. Would you invite me into your battles? Would you trust me? Once again, David says, there's only one thing that I seek, 
and it's to be in the house of God forever. Well, today I promise you, not because it's a good-looking theater, not just because it's a building, but it's because of you, the people of God are here in this place. We are in the house of God. We are dwelling here, and we are worshiping with intimacy today. We're going to fight our battles the only way we know how, and that's with worship. Let me give you three things before we lead into this song. I want to give you three things I wrote in my journal from this message. Is this right here. Is when I'm weak, I worship. When I'm worried, I worship. And even when I win, I'm still worshiping because I know that victory came from God today. Come on, would you stretch out your hands today? Come on, let me pray over you as we close the worship today. God, this is how we fight our battles. Stretched out arms, open hearts, knowing we can't do this without you today, God. So we worship with awe, abandon, and intimacy today, knowing that you are with us here in this place. And there is power in your presence, and there's power in your worship. In Jesus' name, come on, let's sing this out today. Let's clap our hands, give God a shout, and let's close this service the right way. Thank you so much for joining us on The Local Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to local church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.